Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good? Very good. Well, I'm very happy to be here with you guys. As you know, we love coming here to share the Word of God with you from Cancun. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to study um, a parable taught by Jesus. Um, parables were um, stories that Jesus told to help his audience uh, understand better his message. Um, there's many parables that are very famous. Uh, I always find it very interesting that a lot of people that have never read the Bible use lines from the Bible without knowing that they come from the Bible. You know, they say the prodigal son or a good Samaritan, you know, and this, those are all parables. But today we're going to study a parable that if you have read your Bible, come for a while to church, you surely know and have read. It's called the parable of the sower. And, and the reason why I want to study that parable today is because uh, in the middle of this parable, Jesus teaches the reason why he teaches in parables. And you're going to see how um, that explanation helps us understand why either are they or should be very helpful to us and how they help to mold us and guide us, okay? This parable is found in um, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. I'm going to read through the whole parable first. You don't have it in full in your program. You can follow me on the screen um, or just listen to the parable. Luke 8, uh, starting in verse 4, says this. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Uh, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, other seed uh, fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him, his disciples asked him um, what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, uh, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Um, let, let me pray for us, and let's, let's analyze uh, this parable. Father, um, we thank you so much for your love, Father. Um, and um, as we go into your word, as we start studying your word, Father, we immediately uh, realize that we need your help. That uh, even though that you were uh, helpful to explain this parable to your disciples, there are still things that we need to understand there that pertain to each one of us in a different way. So I ask you, Father, that you speak to each one of us today, that your Holy Spirit fills us right now, fills us with your light, and that this light is shed on this word so that we can understand what you wanted us to see, Father. Uh, please, Father, transform us with this, with this message that we're going to hear today. I ask you this in the beautiful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
All right, well, the, the, the crux of the matter here, you know, of what Jesus uh, does through uh, these stories, is found in the verse that appears to be the most confusing one. It's, it's verse 10. I'm going to read it again and pay attention to what he said. He says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And uh, it seems like he's saying, I speak in parables to, to people so they will not understand. You know, it's a bit confusing, but see, in this verse uh, resides the importance of the parable. So, so let's analyze for a minute uh, what they are. See, it is very interesting that if you read the New Testament, you're going to see that when Jesus first started his ministry, uh, his teaching was very different, was very straightforward. He would come to, to his crowds or to his disciples and say, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I brought the, that kingdom with me. You know, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. It was very straightforward. But people responded in very different ways to this message. See, to, to, to the um, few uneducated people that he was talking one-to-one, -one, some of those people just left everything behind and followed him. And then the large crowds that never got to be too close to him, they would follow him around as long as he kept doing miracles. You know? But to the religious elite... You know, to the educated people of the time, when they heard this message, they openly rejected it. And not only they told him they did not believe that what he was saying was true, they sometimes told him that they believed that it came from the devil. You know, so it was violently rejected. So the question is, why were these people so you know, rejecting of his message? And, and the reason is because they were so educated. See, these people had been for generations studying the scriptures and they were passing generation to generation certain uh, expectations of what the kingdom of God was going to look like and what the Messiah was going to come and do. You know, these people had um, like some beliefs in their hearts that they didn't even realize they had them. They didn't really verbalize them. But those beliefs were separating them from the message of Jesus Christ. So they were expecting for Jesus to validate those beliefs in their hearts with his teachings. And when he did not do that, they would immediately reject it. Okay? So Jesus starts seeing this rejection and how this is confusing the other people over and over and over. So all of a sudden, he started teaching differently. And what he starts doing is he starts telling them stories. He, he starts saying things like, uh, a man had two sons, or a woman had ten coins, or like in this case, a farmer went out to sow his seed. So he starts using these daily examples that he uses to expose and confront these mistaken beliefs that they have in their hearts. And, and, if, and if the person listening to this story has the right type of heart, their eyes would be open, and then, you know, they, they will change. For example, uh, you remember in Luke chapter 7, Jesus was invited to have dinner at the house of a Pharisee called Simon. And while he's having dinner there, this woman of bad reputation comes with very expensive uh, perfume. You know, and she starts crying on his feet and drying his feet with her hair and, and then uses the oil to anoint his feet. And, and the problem is that Simon, the Pharisee, knows the reputation of this woman. The, the Bible calls her a sinner, which means she was probably a prostitute or a woman caught in adultery. You know, and inside of his head, he starts thinking and he goes, there's no way this guy is a prophet. If he was a prophet, he would know who this woman is, you know, the reputation that she has, and there's no way he would allow her to touch him. See? Uh, so can you see there the beliefs that he has in his heart? See, he believes that people are divided in two groups, the good people and the bad people. Okay? The good people are those who at least externally seem to be following the law. 
The bad people are those who do not conform to that external law. And the good people are allowed to sit down at the table with a prophet or a messiah, but the bad people are not even allowed to touch him. So he's thinking, how is he letting her touch him? He, he cannot possibly be a prophet. Now, uh, Jesus knows what he's thinking. You know, and, 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 and you know, just that on its own should be enough to change the hearts of these people. Wouldn't it change yours? If you were in a room with Jesus and all of a sudden said, Marco, stop thinking this, this, and this, and you would be like, okay, you know, like, it should change, but, but it doesn't. So uh, he realizes that this guy has these secret beliefs in his heart, and it is because of those beliefs that he's missing the point of his teachings. So he's going to confront him, but instead of doing it directly, he tells him a story. He says, uh, two people owed money to a moneylender. One owed him a lot of money, like two years worth of salary. The other one owed him a little bit, like a month and a half of salary. Now, he canceled both their debt. Who do you think loves him more? And Simon says, well, of course, the one that owed him more. And he says, like, yes, you have judged correctly. He says, and this is why this woman who knows that a lot has been forgiven to her has treated me with honor. You, instead, have treated me like any other visitor because you think that your debt is so small that you and I are at the same moral level. You think that you can just sit with me like nothing because you don't think there's nothing to be forgiven. So see what he did? See, he exposed those beliefs in his heart through a story where, unbeknown to Simon, he was going to become one of the characters of the story. See, this is what a parable is. A parable is a story that Jesus tells, and he's telling you this story, and you don't know, but at some point, you're going to be part of the story. So he brings the story to a point where he turns it kind of like into a mirror and he lifts the mirror and puts it up to your face and asks the question, do you see yourself there? Can you see yourself in this story? Okay. Now, if you open your heart, you will see yourself clearly as you are and that is going to allow God to change your heart and allow you to truly follow him. Um, now, that helps us understand what parables are you know, what are they supposed to do? But doesn't help us understand what he said. Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. What did he mean by that? See, think of it this way. What happens if the person that is listening to this story decides to cling to the belief? You know, if internally Simon, when he heard the story, he started thinking, who does he think he is? He doesn't know me. You know, that, that, that's not who I am. That's not the way I see myself. See, his heart would be so hard that what would happen is nothing would change. So even though he heard the words, he did not understand them. See, what Jesus is saying, there's going to be people whose mind is not that they don't understand the words, but their heart is not going to change. See, uh, we don't know what happened with Simon. The Bible doesn't tell us. But if what happened was that right after Jesus said the story, Simon kicked him out, like you and the woman, out, you know. What would happen is that instead of fixing his beliefs, they would have become stronger in his heart. So this is what parables should, should do in our hearts. They should move us from pretending to be a certain way to acknowledging who we really are, where we're at spiritually speaking. They have to move us, okay? Because Jesus is not just trying to expose our beliefs. He's trying to destroy the masks that we hide behind, okay? Now, this is very important in, in today's culture because I'm, I'm, I'm sure we all know this, but we live in a culture that works very hard to look good. 
You know, we, we give a lot of value to what appears to be instead of to what is. You know, it doesn't matter as much to me what I am, but what you think I am. And that's all over our culture. I could give you tons of examples of that, but the problem is this. See, if that attitude starts pervading the church, you know, if we all start trying to appear that we're fine in the church, the church will lose its power. It, it will stop being salt. See, I just recently read a quote that said that the church has turned into a museum of good people instead of a hospital for broken people. See, we stop coming here ready to receive and be transformed. We just come here to be seen and look like we're doing good. So we need these stories. See? So, so this is why Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He's not talking about your physical ears. He's talking about your heart. And it's very important to this parable because that's exactly what he's talking about in this parable. He's talking about your heart. See, in the parable, uh, he mentioned four types of soil where the seed can fall. But in reality, he's talking about different states of the heart. So let's analyze the parable. This is what your program says, different states of the heart. The first state, it's found in verse 5. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the burst ate it up. See, it's very easy to understand this one. Um, see, uh, the, the, the farmers would walk up and down a path, you know, to throw the seed into the ground that was already tilled. It was softened beforehand. But the path that they used to walk back and forth is not soft. See, they're walking on it all the time, so the seed will fall on it and it'll bounce away. So this reveals, number one, a hardened heart. You know, a heart that is very hard. Now, uh, oftentimes people confuse this heart. See, some people believe that when they talk about this hardened heart, uh, Jesus is referring to people that never come to church. You know, are always living in the world. If you try to talk to them about this, they say, no, 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 I don't want to hear it, you know, and they don't even come. But he's not talking about that. Because he says that these people are very close to the one throwing the seed. So they're within reach. You know, there are people that, in those days, he probably was referring to like Pharisees. You know, there was always Pharisees hiding in the crowds. You know, listening to Jesus, but not with the intention to understand what he was saying, but with the intention of making him trip, test him in some way so that they could prove that he was wrong. That could be for their time, but in our day, see, this represents people that come to church. Some of them come all the time, every week, year after year, but for some reason, the message of Jesus never enters their heart because their heart is hardened with certain beliefs. This is one of the things that really intrigues me the most. You know, back in Cancun, we have people that have been coming to church for years, but the message of Jesus, that it's to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, has never entered their heart. So just um, a few weeks ago, um, Emilio, who is our executive pastor down there, had a meeting with um, the guy that leads our parking lot ministry, and he came to report to me that he was very discouraged. He said, this guy is really down. Because he was saying to me, I don't understand, you know. We're out there in the sun or in the rain. We're trying to help. We're trying to expedite the traffic, help them park correctly. And people get angry. And they insult us. The other day, a guy was ready to get out of his car and start pushing me around. And I said, oh, really? He's like, yeah, the worst part is some of those are volunteers. 
You know, it's like, what? <laughs> so these are people that serve the church and they still haven't gotten it. See, this is a hardened heart. You know, they, they don't see themselves mentioned in the, in the sermon. They don't see themselves in the mirror. Actually, the other way around. These are people that when they leave here, they think, man, it's a bummer Johnny didn't come today. He needed to listen to this sermon, you know. But, but, but they don't, you know, they don't think that it's to them. Now, what's important to realize is, why is that happening? See, listen to what Jesus says to explain what's happening. In verse 12, he says, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. See, Jesus wants you to understand that there is an enemy, and he's there watching. He's all the time paying attention, and the moment that you should receive something that changes your heart, but instead of listening, you close your heart, in that instant, he will attack and rob that word from you. And the problem is how he does it. See, because when people think of the devil, they're expecting him to show up in his red onesie with his pitchfork, you know? But, but that's not how he attacks. See, the, the Bible calls him the father of lies. So what he will do is he will start bombarding your brain with self-justification lies. Lies that are going to make you feel like you're safe instead of you feeling that you're in need of help. Therefore, there's no place for Jesus when you don't think you need some help. You start thinking, you know, no, 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 everything is under control. Nah, I can handle that. You know, no, he's not talking about me. You know, you start saying these things to yourself. No, 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 I'm, everything is okay. Because if you paid attention, your heart would change. And then you would be able to follow him. Now, there is something that also we need to know. See, there is a feeling that is always associated with each type of state of the heart. And, and the feeling associated with a hardened heart, it's loneliness. See, it, the people with a very hardened heart will always end up feeling lonely. And I'm not saying that they will admit to that, you know, that they are feeling lonely, but it's a fact that it happens, and I'm gonna tell you why. If your heart is hard, and you're bouncing off the word of God, it means you're rejecting God, which means you think it's all about you. You are the center of the universe. Things have to happen the way I want them to happen. So you don't need God in your life telling you how to live your life. And when you do that, it's a matter of time when you start pushing people away because they are there for you as well. See, if everything is about you, these people are there to serve you, to satisfy your needs. So you're gonna use them, manipulate them, exploit them, and little by little, you're going to push them away and your heart is going to be lonely, okay? I know, you were so happy this morning, but you need to hear these things, okay? <laughs> the second state of the heart, it's mentioned in verse number six. It says, some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. See, what happens there is, see, Jerusalem, it, it's very much like Cancun. See, just a few inches under the ground, there's a bedrock. And, and, and if these people are not careful, they are going to throw the seed in places where they may think that the ground is good and deep, but there's rock very few inches underneath. So, you know, the, 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 the roots are never going to be able to develop and be strong. So what this reveals, number two, is a shallow heart. It's a very superficial heart. 
See, this is a heart uh, uh, where the seed did go in. If, if you know in the verse, it goes in and it started to give fruit. The plant started to come out, but it was so shallow, so superficial that the roots did not have a way to sustain the plant, so it's going to die. Okay, what does that mean for us? See, this is people whose initial response is like their hearts filled with excitement, and it seems like they're really committed. They say, no, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Wherever you go, wherever you lead, I'll go. But at the moment of test, when adversity comes, when temptation comes, when persecution comes in any way, you know, or, or when things that we thought were going to happen do not happen, you know, my marriage still very hard, you know, health's not getting any better. I need money, but it's not coming my way. You know, when things get hard, they're going to walk away from Jesus. They're going to stop following. So this is the explanation that Jesus gives in verse 13. It says, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. See, what this reveals is a heart that is not really rooted in Jesus, but in superficial expectations. See, they thought that with Jesus, everything was going to be easy, life was going to be beautiful, success. You know, our children are going to be very obedient. Actually, they're going to go from pre-teenage to adulthood, you know. It's going to be beautiful, right? But see, this is the reality. When, when, when your roots are deep enough, it doesn't matter what happens in the surface. You know, it doesn't matter what happens to the plant. If the roots are deep enough, your faith will be strong and survive. But when you have a shallow faith, you know, you, you, your commitment to Jesus is it's shallow because your expectations on Jesus are very shallow. See what I'm saying? It's like these are people that are, their prayers are, please spare me from pain and suffering because I am not sure that you're strong enough to sustain me through pain and suffering. See, they're afraid because they don't know if Jesus is really going to come through. And the problem, when you start thinking this way, see, it produces people that think that if anything goes wrong in your life, it's lack of faith. Anything that goes wrong is like you don't have faith. You don't have faith strong enough. And they tell you, you need to have faith and everything is going to change. See, um, the problem with thinking that is that you're putting your faith in promises that Jesus never made. Um, we have shared with you uh, the situation of our, our two boys. Well, they're men, but they're my boys, you know. Uh, both of them, about a year and a half ago, lost their sight. You know, they are blind because of a genetic deformation that is, according to the doctors, incurable. It's irreversible. It's called genetically, not physiologically. And, and there's a lot of people with good intentions that come to us and say, you have to have faith. You have to trust. You have to declare that Jesus is going to heal them. A woman actually went to the extreme to tell my wife that uh, our kids were blind because of our lack of faith. Um, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what we thought. But, uh, but could it be that if you have faith strong enough, then there will never be adversity? Or is it more like if your faith is strong enough, you can have in your life both pain, suffering, and joy in a life that is worth living? See, do I believe that Jesus can heal my kids in an instant? But you know when your faith becomes very shallow? 
when it's dependent on you not going through pain and suffering or trials of any kind. Because if your faith depends on everything going well, it's a matter of time. Because people will get sick, people will die, businesses will fail, marriages will break up. And if your faith is rooted in those things, then it's a matter of time. Just think about this. What conversation would be more real with my kids? To tell them, if you believe strong enough, God will heal you. Or to tell them, even if he never heals you, he's all you need. Because that's the truth. Now, you need to hear this. This doesn't mean that if you have an internal struggle, your faith is shallow. Life is tough, man. Anybody that says different, they're trying to sell you something. You know, life is hard. But the Psalms tell us that we can go with that pain to God and He will sustain us. But if pain and suffering are going to be able to pull you away from Jesus, you have rooted your faith in promises that Jesus never made. And, and, and just so you, so you know, um, because people come and ask me these things. You know, when my kids first lost their sight and we kept going, you know, I kept preaching, you know, men especially, you know, would come and say, how do you do that? You know, I don't know if I'm gonna have the strength to face storms like that. And, and what I told them was like, I didn't know either. See, what I have learned is, God gives you the strength when you need it. If you're expecting to receive the strength today for the storm of next year, you're deluding yourself. He's going to make you strong when you face the storms. His promise was, I'll be there with you. Okay? Now, <clears throat> the, the feeling associated with a, with a shallow heart, it's fear. See, it's a heart full of fear because deep in your heart, you know that the storm is coming. And if you think that your faith should avoid all the storms, then you're scared because you know it's coming. Okay, the third type of heart is found in verse 7. It says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant. See, uh, th this word thorns is what we would translate to, to weeds, to bad weeds in a place where you're trying to grow a crop. See, uh, this seed fell on a, on a ground that had weeds before. And even though, you know, the, the seeds will t start taking root, the weeds were there before, and therefore the root of the weeds is deeper and stronger, so it's going to choke the plant of the good seed. So what this reveals, number three, is a divided heart. Uh, it reveals a divided heart. It means that the initial response of this person, it's also love for Jesus. The problem is that love is not as deep as love's that were there before. Look at the explanation in verse 14. It says, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. See, what happens usually with this is, see, when we first begin, you know, we, we get excited, you know, we, we want to follow Jesus, and we start realizing very soon that there are certain weeds in our hearts that we have to uproot. So we start uprooting some roots, but we tend to leave there the ones we like very much. You know, and they stay, you know, because we like them. And the problem with that is that eventually, see, that weed is going to start competing with your love for Jesus. And when that happens, 
Jesus is going to confront you and you're going to have to make a choice. Remember the story of the young rich man that goes to Jesus one day and says, how do I enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, well, obey all the commandments. And, and, and the guy says, I've done that all my life since I was a kid, which means this guy knew the word. He knew the Bible. He says, I've been doing the commandments all my life. And the Bible says that Jesus saw him with love. See, he said the next words in love. He looks at him, looks at his heart. He knows what his first love is. And says, okay, then give away all your things to the poor and follow me. And the Bible says that the young man just got devastated. His face completely fell off, turned around, and walked away. Why? Because his love for those things was rooted deeper than his love for Jesus. See, the things that are rooted deeper in your heart are the only things that are safe in your life. Because you will never uproot them. When this man found himself having to decide, he decided to uproot Jesus and leave the weeds rooted as they were. And you know what makes this catch us by surprise all the time? That these tend to be things that are not necessarily bad. You know, the, the problem is, even if they're not bad, if they become the most important thing in your life, they will eventually compete with Jesus. See, this is a part of the message where you really have to bring this home to yourself because I don't know you. I don't know your situation. I don't know what's in your heart. So you're going to have to look into your heart and try to detect what is there that either is right now or will be competing with Jesus eventually. And you know how it's easy to pick that? Uh, try to think of things that you will be scared if you lost. You know, if they all of a sudden were taken away from you, you would be devastated. What is there? See, these are things that uh, if somebody up here preaches against certain things, you get angry. You start feeling defensive. And you get angry not because we're saying it, but because you came with people that know you, and they immediately, when they hear it, go, give you looks like, you know, you know? And then you go like, you know? That means there's something there that is making you immediately harden your heart, okay? So, listen to this. In all our hearts, there's bad weeds. In all of them. If you're not fighting against them right now, or aware of the fact of their existence, they're already choking, they're already winning because you're not even aware of them. Now, you know what the feeling associated with this type of heart is? Tiredness. You're all the time tired, you know why? Because it takes too much energy to try to serve two masters. Jesus said it's impossible, but you're trying to do it and you're not gonna be able to and you're gonna end up losing the battle, okay? The last type, of, of soil, and this is uh, the only type of heart that will receive the word of God and allow him to change us. Uh, it's found in verse 8. So, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. See, this is the only heart that is called good soil. See, that yields crop a hundred times what was sown, and this is represented, number four, by a humble heart. A humble heart. See, a humble heart is different in many ways. For one thing, it receives the good news of Jesus Christ with a lot more joy. Because being humble means that you recognize who you are, where you're at, what kind of cockroach you are. So when you hear the good news that you're forgiven of everything, you go like, yay! You know? And, 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 and this is somebody that understands that regardless of the type of soil that your heart 
has been in the past, you immediately start understanding that the, the infinite love and mercy of God will forgive and redeem all of your past. You know, it, it's hard that knows that this doesn't happen one time and then you're done. You know, it doesn't mean that because you hear something and you realize who you are, that changes. You know, you understand that, that it's a process, but it, it means see, the humble heart understands what is the position of a true follower of Christ. You know what that is? You're always an active listener of his word. Always. See, this is a person that all the time when they come to church, they're waiting to hear something that is going to refer to them. They're expecting to be changed in some way. They open their Bible and their, their prayer is, Father, talk to me today. Tell me something that I need to hear. You know, even when we're singing songs, you're paying attention to the words. Sometimes we learn them by heart and then we just sing them without thinking. You know, the humble heart, even while they're singing, they're saying, yes, you do this in my heart. This is what I need. See, it, it, it is people that really are humble that come to church to receive. When you don't have a humble heart, you know what you come to, to church to do? To rate things. Well, let's see how the music is today. You know, I didn't like this message. I didn't laugh enough. You know, this wasn't funny. This, you know, like you start looking at people around you and instead of looking inside and say, Father, I need to be changed. Okay, so this is exactly what Jesus is trying to do to us. Every single time he speaks, he tries to say, I'm talking to you. Pay attention. Now, listen to the explanation that he gives uh, to this heart, which is beautiful. Verse 15 says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a good crop. See, that word that we translate persevering, it's actually two words that mean working patiently. And this is a beautiful analogy. Aren't you thrilled that Jesus used a seed as an example, as an analogy? He says that the kingdom of God is like a seed that enters your heart. Imagine if he had said, the kingdom of God is like an army that comes and takes over a country in two weeks. You know, or like a fire that will devastate the forest in hours. We would be in trouble. We would be thinking, well, I've been here for years and nothing has happened, you know. Like, <laughs> but, but he says, it's a seed. The kingdom of God is it's, it's like a seed that enters ground and it starts giving fruit little by little. So this is, this is not going to happen immediately. Because you know how a seed works. It takes forever just to start coming out and give fruit. But when you look back, you know, after a season, you realize how much you've changed. See, um, um, our church, uh, the Cancun campus, turned 17 years old on April 28th. You know, April 28th of 2002, we had our first service. And this year, it fell on a Sunday. So we got to rejoice, and everybody was clapping. I even asked them to raise your hand if you've been here for more than 15 years. You know, and I was happily surprised the amount of people that had been at our church for a long time. There's even people there that were there on the first service that we opened. And when I finished the, 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 the sermon, I went down, and, and, and a few of them came to talk to me. And there was this one guy who has been in our church from day one. You know, and, and the question that he said to me was, do you remember in what state we were when we started? So this guy and his wife confessed to us months later that they would come the first few Sundays they came to church completely hungover and sat by the door ready to run away if it got weird. You know? <laughs> they were non-believers. They've never read a Bible. And he says, do you realize how much we've changed? 
And it's amazing. This guy is a, it's a volunteer in our church, has been for years. He's a completely committed Christian. But you know what else I remember? The amount of times that we had conversations throughout the years, and he would say to me, why am I not changing? Why am I not growing? So the truth is, you don't see the growth. You can't see growth day to day, but if you wait, you know, if, if, you're, if you're patient and you keep working, when you realize, you're gonna realize you've changed a lot. And you know what's the most beautiful part of this? You know what's the emotion related to this heart? It's peace. A humble heart gets filled with peace. Because once you're humble enough to receive the word of God as it comes, you realize God is amazing. God is good and perfect. He is truly in control. So a humble heart will pass everything to God. You know, you're not trying to control the universe. You say, you drive, Lord. Here is my life. And that gives you lots of peace. You stop worrying about things. So here's the important question to end this message. Did you see yourself in the mirror? When Jesus raised the mirror, did you see yourself reflected? But I'm going to tell you what I realized. If you're honest with yourself, you're going to see that your heart has the four types sometimes in the same day, you know? Because it's not just all the time one thing or all the time another. It's like our life is complicated. And sometimes you're in all four states. But what's important is for you to be honest and be able to see it. Because you, if you even refuse to question yourself to see if you're any of this, you have eyes, but you're not seeing. You know, and the, and, and the enemy is already winning. But if you start to see, see, if at this moment you start realizing, man, I need help. I truly need help. That means that the seed is already taking root. It's already starting to work. And now what it takes is patient work holding his hand, going to his word every day, saying, I need to hear from you. Please say something that I need to hear. And your heart will start changing. And you won't notice this immediately. But your influence to the people around you will start causing an impact for the kingdom of God. And that's what we're all praying for all the time. So let's go to him in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for being so clear at explaining this parable to us, to your son, Jesus Christ. And, and I'm going to ask you, Father, for all the people that are hearing these words today, uh, that you uh, soften our hearts, that you make that ground in our hearts to be good soil so that your word will fall into it and it will immediately start producing crop. Uh, please help us, Father, that through our study of your word, We'll start building on the depth that we need so that our, our roots will start taking you know, strength and we'll be able to fight against the weeds. Don't allow these weeds or the enemy, Father, to start choking the word that we're receiving today. The other way around, Father, help us to look at ourselves and be honest about ourselves. Help us to be humble, Father. Because if, if we get that spiritual gift from you, everything will stem from that. We thank you, Father. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask you all these things. Amen.